Hey, Gabriel Blake. Hey, Gabriel Jose. Where are we today? I am in San Francisco. Um, same, same old spot. Nothing, nothing new for me. And I'm in Chicago. Nothing changed. Nothing must change. You haven't moved apartments? That's surprising. Because <laughs> I feel like you did. <laughs> Not this week. Not this week. I, I kept it easy this week. Uh, but talking about like keeping it easy, or maybe the opposite, what did we watch this time? This was my pick, and I picked the 1987 classic yep. film by Stanley Kubrick, the final film that was released during his lifetime, um, Full Metal Jacket. Wait, was it the last one? I thought that it was like next to the last one. What I read today was that it's the last one to be released when he was alive because the next one was Eyes Wide Shut and he died before it was released. Yeah. Yeah, 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 when it was completed. Yep, no, you're right. Oh, wow. It took 12 years in between Full Metal Jacket and I was that. I'm pretty sure he was filming with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman that whole 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, just knowing how obsessive he is, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit mind-blowing, like the time that he took between the different movies. I thought Barry Lyndon, which I've never seen, but I thought it was like an early 90s period piece. Well, not a period piece of the early 90s. <laughs> I thought it was a period piece that came out in the early 90s. Well, was it, he was truly ahead of his time, yeah? He was. Yeah. So, so say, why did I pick it? Let me tell you. <laughs> tell me, please. I don't know why you picked 2001, A Space Odyssey, but I think we both had, like, cinephile um, orgasms, like, as that movie unfolded and I texted you at least and I was like oh my god I forget every time how good Stanley Kubrick is so I just wanted to go back into his world I don't know why I didn't pick um, Barry Lyndon that one I haven't seen but I wanted to rewatch Full Metal Jacket and I was thankful because I never watched Full Metal Jacket oh I'm really glad this is the first time I didn't watch it I'm not giving anything away but it's like I didn't watch it because I'm not big into war movies which is fair. I would yeah. say I'm also not into war movies. Yeah. Uh, but what is this movie about or what happens in this movie? Uh, this takes place 70... what year? 75? Uh, at the height of the Vietnam War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think they were just a teenager then, right? That's true, yeah. Uh, I used to have a beer back then. And... Uh, <laughs> And this follows like because they just surprised me in this, having completely shaved his beard that's been omnipresent for like ten years. So omnipresent all around the place. <laughs> it's been like so big that is the only thing that you can see. Uh, Ubiquitous. Exactly. Uh, how to say? Sorry, I just lost track. So this movie follows the uh, like a group of new recruits, uh, like fresh recruits that they go into the. Training, what is it called? Boot training camp. Um, boot camp. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Boot camp. And basically, for the first part of the movie, it follows like their lives, how they're being trained by a very, very abusive general. Like the daily kind of. Uh, uh, it's from the day that they're introduced and they change their names to actually like the day that 
they graduate, quote-unquote, and they get sent uh, to Vietnam after each one of them, like, gets assigned to a different specialization. Uh, Point of clarification there. Do you think... I have not served in the military in America. Um, I haven't either. He was abusive more so than any other drill sergeant? I'm I'm curious if we're supposed to see him as a, a real enemy or just somebody who had a problem with being in that cult mentality I think and I didn't really like too much well I think that actually the, the actor that does like the drill instructor the boot camp mentor I don't know how to call him but he's drill he sorry drill sergeant drill sergeant I think that he used to be a drill sergeant in real life so well, given like how Kubrick could be about like who to cast on each role, I think that he went an extra mile for I want to get someone that doesn't have to play too much the role and is the role. Uh, but I think that it's also a bit exaggerated for just making it super abusive. So basically he insults everyone, he humiliates absolutely everyone he creates like a complex in one of the uh, recruits that is a bit larger size and um, Vincent D'Onofrio okay that one the serial killer in the cell he's a super super good actor I I mean he was amazing in this movie no I just I was trying to confirm with you we're talking about Vincent D'Onofrio yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he gives the sergeant gives like a how do you say, like a nickname to everyone, and we're going to be calling these characters like the nickname until the end of the movie. Is that they just adopt that one? Like the one that is the Joker is the Joker, the one that is the cowboy is the cowboy until the end of the movie. Um, if we go a bit into detail, the most interesting thing on the first part is the Joker. That is a bit of a nice lead, let's say, among all of them, that he still retains like a bit of his personality, uh, but still like plays along with what is expected. Uh, he becomes a bit of a partner friend for this oversized guy like Vincent Donofrio. Is it Pike? Is called? What was his name? It's like Pile. Pile something, P-Y-L-E. yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, he, given like the pressure that he's receiving, basically goes insane. And it's a Dallas scene when they are still on the boot camp at night. It's incredible. It's it's amazing. Is that without like giving it away completely, but it's like seeing like the transformation from the uh, early stages of the guy smiling you know, to actually becoming this person. I just felt it's like, okay, it was a bit heavy-handed, but definitely it's a pretty powerful scene. Then they get... I, I would argue that the first 45... Well, the, the first act of this, the entire time they're in boot camp, is some of the tightest, well-directed of Stanley Kubrick's entire move. Uh... I I don't disagree, but I also felt like it's like, hey, this starts with the same idea. You're not going to like what I'm going to say, but it starts with the same idea 
as 2001. That is, hey, I don't want like the story to progress a lot. Is that I just want to create, like do world building, like just getting you in a vibe. It's a bit more about like the feeling that I want to transmit on you more than actually like develop things. Oh yeah, 100%. I think he wants to beat us down. Like the drill sergeant beats them down. Like we get into the monotony and the routine of the military. Like we watch them jog and yep. chant so much. Yep. Yep. And I think that is important for the emotional inertia. Yeah. But the thing is that I found this the most engaging part of the movie because then they go to Vietnam and we see then it follows more uh, Joker as he's actually a reporter or a army newspaper that is like just publishing like some news as a way of encouraging the drops of encouraging like just I don't know how to say it, like animate them like just make them inform but also at the same time like drinking the Kool-Aid and like uh, they even his boss admits like this is propaganda this story isn't good enough make it so we killed a bunch of the enemy now what is the kill yeah what is the kill there has to be a kill yeah so uh, but basically they we he's used as a way of a, as a vehicle for just like presenting us with different stories around Vietnam you know about like different uh, how do you say uh, squadrons and how they are living through it is the thing at the end there is like this scene where they are like against uh, a sniper that it made me think yeah that it made me think about like say Private Ryan that I only remember I don't remember I'm not a war movie guy I don't know why I went to watch it. It has Tom Hanks on it, and it was a Steven Spielberg. That's why I never saw it. This was a, a combo, uh, and I think that Matt Damon. Was Everybody the... is in that movie. Everybody. I think Tom Hanks yeah. or was that band? Probably. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, there is a sniper. A couple of them dies. Uh, Joker wears a helmet that he says "War to Kill," but also a, a peace sign. Um, that's pretty much it. It's not so much about like a story, it's a bit more about like trying to encompass the vibe of it. Do you want me to get into more detail? No, in fact, um, while I argued earlier that that first 45 minutes is just some of the best, my favorite stuff Kubrick has done, the last hour and 15 minutes, I could watch it once and never watch it again. It's just kind of a mess. Um, I think yeah. Kubrick doesn't really get preachy in anything, but he gets a little preachy here in a way that Catherine Bigelow didn't. Uh, no, no, no. Hurt Locker. That was Catherine Bigelow, right? It was Catherine Bigelow. I thought you were going to say like Zero Dark Thirty. No, I, I didn't. I, oh, yeah. God. Bigelow in uh, The Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker, yeah. He managed to just be completely like objective. Hey, See. this is a thing that's happening. Kubrick wanted to show that, but he was got a little like. Def we get it. Everyone thinks Vietnam was a bad idea. Your insight isn't remarkable in 1987. Yeah, that's what I thought. Is like, hey, it's 87. Is that like, this has been like what, like 12 years after the end? Yeah. And it's like, wh why doing this now? What is like the power that you think? I mean, like the recruiting part, like the recruit part. I thought that. It was fine, like the boot campers. I liked it. I felt it's like there are not so many movies that they're going to be like trying to develop 
these characters at this point is that they're going to be like focusing like much more when they are in Vietnam. And it's like, I didn't even have like the emotional transference that I would have expected for liking these characters before, because even when they are presented, we see them with her, then they get like safe for the bootcamp, but they don't develop, they don't make me care about them as human beings. I Wait just... a second. For they don't give me like some kind of reason about like what kind of life did they have before that they are missing and they are wasting. I care about them because I like Joker, I like a private pile. Animal but... Mother. I liked Animal Mother. <laughs> animal Mother, Adam Baldwin, that is like, wait, is that Adam Baldwin, like super young? <laughs> and then it was like, oh yeah, he is. that's uncanny. I, I just had a, a holy shit moment because you're right. I didn't emotionally care about anyone in this film, but I don't think I emotionally care about anyone in any Kubrick film, which is weird. I love to be in his world. I love to watch those character stories like Eyes Wide Shut, like show me more of that between Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, but I don't care what happens to any of them in any of his movies. That's weird. I think that here maybe a bit on purpose, a bit more about like, hey, we don't care as a society about these people. Is that we send them to their death or to go insane? But we truly don't care about that. And you don't care in the signing about the wife and the kid? No, they're not likable characters. I mean, I didn't want that. I wanted them to escape Jack Torrance, but I was not emotionally invested in Danny. Or his <laughs> overacting mother. <laughs> okay, that's that's fair. What about in a Clockwork Orange? Don't you get about Alex? A really long time since I've seen it, and I remember it being more shocking than any anything emotional. We we should we should rewatch. If you want, I I watched it last year, so I am happy like rewatching it. Um. No, that's just a really interesting observation because there are... Wow. Like, I'm literally speechless. I'm going to have to, like, sit down and pull this apart. <laughs> are characters not essential to his stories? In this case, they're vehicles. They're vehicles for a point. But it's like he focused, like, way more on the world building. And in this case, I think there is a bit more of a mood building. You know, it's a, and that's like the part that it may feel like a bit preachy because he focuses in telling you, it's like, this war was wrong. Look about all the damage that we did. And he's like, yeah, I get it. But it's like, if you don't develop your characters, it's hard to connect with them. Like, just making them feel like more than unidimensional, like single dimensional characters. I agree with you. It's about a vibe, it's about being preachy. But there are moments of true, like moments that I marveled at, and I was surprised I marveled at. And you actually just mentioned one where, uh, it's not Cowboy, Joker. Joker goes to a, a squad to cover what's, a squadron to cover what's happening to them. And the commanding officer comes and he's wearing a peace sign in. And then his helmet says, born to kill. Is that what it says? Yeah, born to kill. Oh, not killing, yeah. Um, and the commanding officer is like, what are you doing? He's like, do you not understand? Like, what's wrong with you? Are you stupid? I don't remember the specific words, but essentially saying, are you stupid? And 
and Joker's just staying in line. He's like, I don't know, I must be stupid, blah, blah, blah. And then he's finally like, I think I was commenting on- On the um, duality of the human. Man and that whole young philosophy that's super popular right now. And the commanding officer's like, you don't use smart words, like, and like how brilliantly it showed how stupid people are in charge and they tell people dumber than them that they're stupid but they're smarter but they, everyone has to pretend that that's not the case like those moments really made me i was like wow well, that was cool i think that it was also basically kubrick i think that it does it like on purpose that is like the, the drill general is a or sergeant is a he actually diminishes people to just a single characteristic and joker is like he's going to be like joking about it about the, everything that he does and it's like what you expect and it's exactly what is he doing in that scene so it's like he's just giving us like this is the trait this is the only trait that actually characterizes this character and i'm going to have four scenes with him that he jokes about something or he tries to ridiculize like something that is happening around him uh, Kubrick very carefully goes through um, many, many of the steps cults use to do mind control. I, and this is like a studied science. It's the same thing that the military does, and he makes us go through them. And part of those nicknames is stripping away your identity and reducing you to a single um, characteristic, as well as like shaving the head so everyone looks the same, no one's allowed to speak out of turn. So a lot of this was like very meditative and pulled you in, which I think is super smart and definitely like is up to the, the like Kubrick oeuvre. But this is lesser Kubrick. I I don't disagree. I mean, I still had a blast watching it like way more than I expected. Now I also have to say that is that I had a blast on the first act. Then when it went into this is another war movie, I was like, well, when you were summarizing it, I almost interrupted you and said nobody cares what happens after they graduate. Like nobody, nobody in the film world, not the casual cinema goer, not cinema lover. That's what I thought. Is that I was forty-five minutes is great. It is. I didn't remember anything that happened past that. I never watched it, but it's like every single trailer, every single like reference that I seen of this movie. It's about those 45 minutes. Is that the most iconic character is the sergeant? Yep. And probably Private Pyre. And then everything goes to shit because it's one more war movie. And it's 10 years later after those war movies were that relevant. If you were telling me that like, this is in the late 70s, this apocalypse now, this platoon, is a sure, okay, I don't. I'm not like the biggest fan, but it's like there was like an importance, a temporary importance. This is like a timely movie in the wrong time. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that completely. Um, what's interesting is visually, I think we're both impressed uh, in the literal sense of the word, like, wow, by his visual style. We commented a lot on 2001, like every shot is gorgeous. And you see that in that first 45 minutes, but then when it, it gets so disorganized in Vietnam, like the shots stopped being beautiful. There were a few very clever ones, like when Cowboys shot, um, that's a very clever way they set up where they, he moves his head. Like you, we can all feel he's in danger. And, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, uses, the uses of a slow motion, I didn't like it. I'm also sorry. Also narration, if he had used it well, 
he did not. <laughs> I almost have the feeling that is a Judith and stay on your lane. Is that you are not a war movie director. <laughs> and I mean, this is feels the 80s. Everyone did weird shit in the 80s. <laughs> um, is what you said. It's like in the first part of the movie, I can say it's like, yeah, this can be an Stanley Public movie. In the second part of the movie, I'm like, this could be anyone. Not to jump ahead to the questions, but yes, this should have been a short and it should have been just the first 45. <laughs> and actually, it was like a good ending, honestly. But actually, this is over the questions because I had the feeling no, that it's like we're, yeah, we're a bit more on the same pace here. Uh, would you watch it again? Yeah, I'm, yes, of course. I'm not going to pretend that I won't. I'll watch it in six months. I, I won't. Yes, or will. I will watch no, or I will watch the first forty-five minutes, and there was his level. Can I remember that the rest is not that important? Let's just move on. I think you're lying to me and yourself, but it's fine. <laughs> okay, uh, would you recommend it? Absolutely. There's not a single Kubrick film that I've seen that I wouldn't recommend as an example of great filmmaking. There's just not. Even his like. 1957 The Killing. We should watch that. That's a noir thriller. It's one of his first fiction films. Have you seen I, it? I don't, I don't remember if I've seen it. It's like I know that it's a noir, and in, but I don't remember if I watched it. Um, for me, I'm a bit torn about this because, yeah, it's visually striking. Is The first part is well made, but then the rest. It's not that special. So I had the feeling that if someone were to ask me, it's like, would you recommend me a Kubrick movie? I wouldn't recommend this. And if someone asked me, would you recommend me a war movie about Vietnam? I wouldn't recommend this. But let's say we're in a we're in that that bar that the serial killers hang out, hung out yeah. at yeah. place. Yeah. Tower. Yeah. Weird people there comes up and says, Hey, I heard I heard full metal jacket might be worth my time. What do you think? Sure. It's not so bad. you would recommend it. <laughs> I mean, if we recommend it, like, I wouldn't detract someone from watching it, but I wouldn't ask someone to go out of their way for watching it. I, I get that. Like, it's not exceptional in terms of almost anything. War films, Kubrick films, um, films from the 80s. Yeah. I'm, I'm going, yeah, I I don't think that is bad, but I'm going to go with no. Because it doesn't excel in either of the two categories, Coverfield, Coverfield, or Warfall. Personal. Fair enough. Right. Would you remember it? The first 45 minutes? Yes. <laughs> the last? <laughs> nothing. Nothing. I, re- I own this film and I remember nothing after that bathroom scene. But the thing is, like, it's not that important because there is no narrative or anything. It's like the first act, there is like an entry point and an exit point. That is like, hey, they are new recruits and they go to Vietnam. But the second act is like, they go to Vietnam. And it's not even about like they going back. It's like because they don't even talk about like how long they're going to be there. I honestly think they were like, hey, let's watch the US military dehumanize these people and then let's watch them rehumanize in Vietnam, but nobody's gonna care and they'll be super damaged from killing so many people. Yeah, they even talked, they had like this conversation of the 100 mile stair kind of thing that is okay, you guys are describing PTSD right now, but it's like, I almost had you have described in this movie the PTSD is already present from the first act 
is like it's almost like just preparing you for getting traumatized before you get traumatized. So I don't know. I I'm going to say like yes. And from the perspective, it's like I would remember the first part. The second part is like I, it's not about remembering or not. Is that I think that is not important. It's not. And so I don't know how to answer this. I would say yes for me to you. Yeah. Yes. Uh, is there anything artistic about it? I mean, my answer is yes. It's it's like beautifully shot. This. A real deep care about everything. I just have the feeling that his care doesn't translate as well in this type of war movie. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, is it a timeless piece? Yeah, yes. I, I think whatever people got out of it in 1987 is the same that I got out of it today. Well, I, I stand, I'm going to say no from the perspective of what I told you earlier. For me, this is a timely movie that it was released out of the timely, of the time window that it should have been released. So we will get the same value as in 87, but I think that that was not the intent. It's not like Lost Boy being released in the 80s. Imagine that Lost Boys is released in the late 90s. I'm sorry, I think people who watched Lost Boys in like 1989 in theaters got a way different experience than we did <laughs> rewatching in 2022. Of course, of course, right. is what so I'm saying. That, that's what makes it timely, but you're saying, yes, this was the same in 87 and it's the same now. That That's literally the definition of timeless. Time moved. <laughs> dude, dude, I just say, no, 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 no. What I say is that it's, for me, it's a timely movie, but it has the mistake, it had the mistake of being released way later than it should have been released. It's what I was telling you. Imagine that actually like Lost Boys will be released like in late 90s or early 2000s. It's like people will be like, what the fuck? It's like, is this supposed to be cool? It's like, this is pretty lame compared if it was in the 80s, that would have been makes sense. In this case, it's like, hey, this would have been in late 70s, would have been probably a better commentary or a bit more close to reality commentary. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. Um, fun fact, while you record those scores, the budget of this film was 16 million, and it made over 100 million domestically. It was considered a huge success. And one thing I wanted to mention that I'm actually embarrassed about, until today, I firmly believe that Stanley Kubrick was from England. <laughs> and so I always viewed this film as a foreigner's like understanding of America's... Oh. Until today, when I read his Wikipedia page, where he was born in Manhattan and grew up in New York and California. So that changed my view of this a lot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing... That's, that's a... Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing. I was going to say, if I'm married, what would have done a British director? Well, Steve McQueen comes to... Oh, you mean... Like for this, you know, like for Vietnam, and I'm trying to think, is like if there was any Vietnam movie directed by a British director? Oh, that I don't know because I don't watch more war movies. That's fine. Uh, would you turn this into a TV show? No. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Like, I feel like they honestly, there were enough interesting characters. They probably could have made a boot camp TV show. I don't know how well it would go. I feel like two hours was already too long. 
So I guess my answer is no. No, I wouldn't do that. Uh, my answer is also no. I don't think that this sergeant, the drill sergeant, works because it's 40 minutes. But if it was like five hours of content, even if it's not, you know, a single sitting, it would have been too much. So, uh, could this have been a short? I think that you already asked, sir. Yeah, I agree. I think that it's like if it has ended, if it had ended like with the how it ends with that scene, you have been perfect. And it's like, hey, why do we need to send our people to Vietnam to get fucked when we are fucking them here? That would be enough. Yep. So, uh, do you think this movie could have been better? If they cut off the last hour and 15 minutes, yes. <laughs> So if it had been a short, uh, yes, it could have been better. And I, when we talked about 2001, I said I would never dare to say that about a Kubrick film until I watched Full Metal Jacket. It's like, oh no, he could take some pointers. Yeah, I agree. this was a bit of a not a full disappointment, but a bit of a letdown. I was like, well, I'm going to be like checking my phone, and I'm not going to feel guilty about it. So maybe, maybe, I mean, we have gone over all the questions. Maybe we should just move into scoring it. All right. This was my pick. So you score first. My score is going to be a seven. Yeah, I was, I was going back, back and forth between a seven and a 7.5. But yeah, this is, this is just a seven. Yeah. 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 Uh, for me, I think that I'm a bit more like permissive because I really, really like the first act and it ends up like really well. But then the rest is like, look, it's Kubrick, but it's minor Kubrick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, so as this was your pick, I guess that I have to pick next. Um, well, you were saying earlier that you don't know why I picked uh, 2001, but the reason why I picked that one, it was because they were playing it at the Music Box Theater. That is a nice, yeah, a nice theater here. And uh, when I was checking what we're going to be playing next on the next week, is that they were going to be playing uh, All Boy, that it was the 20th anniversary. So we're going to Korean violence cinema next. Can't wait, I can't wait. Okay, and to everyone else, to everyone listening to us, thank you so much for listening. Wash your hands. <laughs> okay, bye.